They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are monsters out of the closet. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Monsters Out of the Closet. We are joined this episode with author and student Ada de la Cruz, who wrote our latest piece, Little Leap of Logic, which was featured in our June Pride Month episode, Liberate. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I'd highly recommend it. It's an adorable and funny episode. Um, so thank you so much, Ada, for joining us today. Yeah, hi. I am very honored to be here and, and featured. Well, we're so happy to have you as part of our monster mob. Um, let's dive in. A Little Leap of Lodge came to us several months ago, and it was this mm-hmm. beautiful long piece. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind the piece and maybe where the idea began? It's a bit of a story, actually. Um so I'm a student, right? Uh, and I have this science class. Uh, it's not really a science class per se. It's like a general elective, but it's held in this science building. And at the entrance there, uh, there lives this uh, like orange fat cat that's really cute. And most of the time I catch it, it's just sleeping. So every time I see it, I, I like to greet it and talk to it. It's a, it's a common thing at my university. So the, the the security there, they all know the cat. So it sort of just came to me one day, and I was just sort of taking a picture of the cat, and I was like, hey, what if you could, like, talk to me too? And, you know, mm-hmm. science building and orange cat, and it just all sort of just, you know, brain fart like that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were writing this piece, obviously it's kind of evolved in terms of uh, location and kind of the true nature of this cat. And what I liked a lot in the piece was the depth that you gave uh, Jimothy and Markle as far as their story of how they came to be in this place. What mm-hmm. what was some of the ideas that kind of led to that? The idea that these were, you know, AI that had escaped from another planet? Well, uh, you know, when you read about, like, AI nowadays, um, a lot of people tend to be scared of technology because, you know, it is a limitless sort of application and you have AI you know, they can be perfect. So my sentiment was, you know, what if the AIs just wanted to live? What if, you know, they didn't have that inherent need to destroy? What if the need to destroy was human? I like that idea that the the darkness that we seem to see in AI actually comes from us and our worst. Yes. Yeah. With the piece, when it was submitted, it was in short story format. As we mm-hmm. kind of we're exploring it, we kind of adapted it into more of an audio play format with more actors playing different characters. Um, how did you feel that process went as far as kind of conveying the intent of your piece? Well, I was uh, most worried about how uh, Jimothy and Markle would come out, honestly, uh, because in writing in the short story format, the font. <laughs> so that's how I differentiated their, their tone. It, they didn't have any dialogue tags. It was, I used a different font and I wanted it to look sort of like a computer generated kind of font. So that's how I sort of showed that Markle and Jimothy were being telepathic. But I do think that, um, monster, the monster mob was excellent in sort of translating that whole font thing into something really accessible. Yeah, and uh, I remember in our conversation we were talking about like making sure that the voices 
weren't so robotic that they wouldn't be empathetic. And I think that that, that was something that was, I think, done really well um, with the computer program we used. There was still enough humanity in those voices. Oh, yeah, that was uh, very important to me because uh, I think more than anything, I was attached to Jimothy and Marco as characters. So I, I did want them to come across as like cute as they did in my mind. One element that I thought was important also was that you uh, write Pam's character. Uh, she's Filipina and her mother is. And they have this really interesting dynamic that uh, when we were talking a lot about casting, we really wanted to make sure we casted someone of that cultural background. Mm-hmm. What was your connection to that? Oh, I myself am Filipina. So uh, I grew up here in the Philippines. And so when I had this uh, piece workshop, because I actually submitted it for a class, um, everyone found the mother very funny because it was just a universal, like Asian experience almost. Like, yeah, I get it because uh, it's such a weird like, experience to have to share. Like, uh, you know, when you say Filipina mom, it's like, oh, I get it, I get it. But I do think I do. I really do think when I heard the the actual podcast, I was super amazed with the, the actress because I was like, she sounds just like my mother, which was like the perfect thing, really. How important was it that uh, you had this dynamic within the episode that you know you have Pam not out to her mom, that you have Pam feeling like she's you know hiding elements of herself from her mom, that um, you know she can't be honest. Was that something that formed Pam's character for you or was it something that developed as the story developed? Um, well, uh, because uh, me personally, and I'm out, but I have a, a lot of friends who, who aren't out um, and they, they all have these reasons, of course, to, to not be out. And I, I wouldn't encourage uh, someone to, to go out if it's going to endanger them anyway. So uh, the inspiration for Pam was actually one of my college friends. Um, I asked her permission and everything. And, um, you know, I, I actually presented her with the, the, like a situational cue, like a cat comes out of the animal crate. It's really cute. What do you do? <laughs> and then she say, Oh, I want to pet it. <laughs> so it really helped with the character formation. So I think in a way she helped birth the character to me. And like when I thought about the character more and more, I just came to get to know her and. It's solved, you know, I think it's a very weirdly writer thing that it's just, they pop into your head, fully formed and everything, and you just get to know them. I think that's super cool that you had this friend that you could actually use as a direct inspiration who was kind of guiding oh, yeah. some of the choices of your characters. Did uh, more, Do more of the characters in the piece have uh, direct inspirations, or are those more of your own invention? Ooh, um, well... I think that honestly, um, Jimothy and Marco sort of come from me as a person. So I think that's why I like them so much as characters because they're definitely part of me. And uh, I definitely say that Alex is a is also a bit of a bit of me, but he's also um, very much uh, inspired by a lot of uh, you know other friends I have. So really, Pam is the one that's very special in that sense that she comes from one particular friend that's very sweet and i can totally see how alex can be like an amalgamation of like a bunch of people because he and he's so vivid and his dialogue is so like snarky in a very very quick-witted way that 
I, I can definitely feel like a bunch of my friends could all at once pile on with all these quick-witted lines. With the piece, there's also these uh, science logs that are kind of told from the perspective of like the scientists who created the, the AI in the piece. And this is like some classic... Um, classic science fiction trope right here. Uh, me and Tria in our commentary for this episode talked a lot about like things like Frankenstein or uh, Jekyll and Hyde, the way that classic science fiction and horror intersected in this way. And the way oh, yeah. that, you know, science without kind of boundaries can get out of hand. Um, and this is just so common. Uh, was that something that inspired that element? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, I was always, like I had said a little earlier, that I was always been intrigued by the idea that the, the real monsters aren't the creations, it's the people, you know, it's the same thing that was in Frankenstein, the monster, it's, he's not really a monster, it's just the, the real monster was the scientist, per se, because, right. you know, his, his destructive nature just drove him to create something that didn't need creating, honestly. So yeah, the, the that whole monster thing, um, for me it was like I wanted to make a point of it that you know that the 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 Jim Jimothy and Markle the AIs they they were created for war but ultimately they themselves didn't want that so it was their creators that drove them into that corner. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying with this idea that um, the dark impulses, the darker fears we have with AI comes from our own experience with people and like our own darker sides. This is coming from someone who is very afraid of AI, but I mean, oh, so, wow. I, yeah, it's one of my like low-key high fears. It For me, I can see how like I see AI as a reflection of humanity to a degree, right? And oh, so the I same see, fears, yeah. yeah, the same fears I have with humans can be imprinted on the AI, but that that also, I guess, does not include the possibility that AI can choose not to follow those instincts, can choose not to, you know, fall into that, just in the same way that people can choose to be better, right? Yeah, sort of like a Skynet, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. You. You can choose to go against your programming, possibly. Yeah. In the piece, we kind of end in this really warm and optimistic place. Uh, where do you see the characters going um, from that point onwards? Oh, uh, yeah. The original piece was supposed to be way longer, honestly. But luckily, uh, the good people in my workshop class told me to maybe just ended on a nice note while it while it was nice and warm because uh, I wanted there to it was there's all these crazy things that I wanted to happen like I wanted there to be a bear that was also uh, a jimmel but then the bear was like too large for the AI so it would be more like a wild like feral creature mm. so it would be more of a reflection of the danger of having such AI since that you know the AI is no longer able to control its destructive nature per se um, I also wanted there to be like a, a porcupine. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> and like it would it would have been named something like King Lee and it would have called itself like the king of all the Jimomals. It was this long thing where somehow Pam discovers a portal and she confronts the scientists. But yeah, it was I scrapped the idea ultimately. So for me, 
I think um, Pam's misfortunes are only beginning, really. Oh, yeah, I definitely got a sense from the piece that you know, Jimothy and Markle could be trying to connect with the other Jimimals who survived the crash landing. And, you know, they're trying to build a new life together. They're trying to find a home. And it seems like they have a home, possibly, with um, Pam and Alex and the other scientists, like Sophia. Uh, and, like, with that happening, it's it's cool to see that there's more kind of variety in the Jimimals, like a, a bear and a porcupine. It's definitely interesting to hear that the scientists from the other world could be confronted do you see do you see that as kind of if you were to expand the piece were you kind of imagining this as a longer maybe book even uh yeah i was definitely thinking more like a like a simple type of webcomic style thing where it would just be like short bursts sort of like a pam's sort of new life as a <laughs> as a weird alien keeper and so her misadventures with her sort of girlfriend Sophia and her best friend Alex, and they go hunting for Jimimals and you know trying to help liberate them from their evil scientist overlords. Uh, you mentioned it would be kind of like a web comic, and uh, earlier when we were talking, uh, you mentioned an organization called UP Grail. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh uh, yeah, um, I'm a member of uh, UP Grail here in the Philippines, uh, in the University of the Philippines. They're a wonderful organization. Um, we do a lot of uh, uh, indie comics, so uh, Filipino comics. Uh, uh, we we create our own. We do reviews of existing comics, and we help uh, do our best to help the the indie scene shine because a uh, comics here in the Philippines has its own distinct character, its own distinct voice. It's very unique, and I, I really love it. So I was hoping, since the, my character, Pam, is a Filipina, that you know it would help also with that character of it. That sounds awesome. What do you kind of hope, as you, as you kind of develop this piece, you're, you're looking at kind of multimedia applications. Is this something you want to continue to do in other pieces that you're working on? Kind of bring them from text into, like, graphic art? Or possibly more audio. Oh yeah. Um, actually, I have a of a piece that I was had been editing recently. Um, this one. Uh, so I was actually thinking of uh, submitting it to you guys. Um, it's about um, a haunted house and lesbians, and of course, lesbians. Those are my favorite and um, ghosts. So for me, the the premise of this story that I was working on is. Always we present the ghost as, you know, evil, ooh, scary, vengeance, ooh. But, you know, in mythology and, you know, folklore, they, these all tell us that some there are a lot of ghosts out there. There are a lot of uh, mythological creatures out there that don't necessarily mean to harm people. They just, you know, want to exist or sometimes they're even helpful. So my main character encounters a ghost, but surprise, the ghost is just there. and Hey, what's up? Like that. I, I like that a lot. It's also seemingly in parallel with Little Leap of Logic and these kind of misunderstood monsters. Obviously, like, you know, aliens, uh, artificial intelligence in the form of alien animals, that can be, you know, it could go one way, but in this piece, it, it goes another way. And, you know, like what you're saying, ghosts are traditionally seen in one way. And 
um, in your piece, you're asking us to see them in another. So is that something that you like to see a lot in uh, art is like these ideas of this, the misunderstood monster, seeing a monster from another direction? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, being LGBTQ plus, you know, I think that was one of the main political statements that I had wanted to make is that, you know, oftentimes society tends to label us a certain way like, oh, you're bad. But why precisely? But why? You know, there are no real reasons other than because they think there's, we're supposed to be bad, right? So that's sort of unfair. And really, that's why I try to inject, you know, queer characters into these kinds of settings, into these kinds of like um, different perspectives, because to further highlight that idea that, you know, being queer doesn't necessarily make you bad. It's it's 2018, <laughs> especially, uh, I, I have to admit, you know, sometimes my family, my friend, uh, some friends, you know, they, they do make some very judgmental um, accusations, like uh, here, particularly in my country, um, when you when someone, like, uh, isn't very, like, manly, uh, the common, you know, insult is to say, oh, bakla ka ba? You know, oh, are you gay? And, you know, I'm... I'm so sick of it, but, you know, sometimes when, when we try to educate them, they don't really understand. I hope to write stories that would really help people understand, like, this is what I meant. To see beyond what we've been told to expect people in our identities yes. to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think what you're saying about, um, you know, horror as an avenue to challenge our preconceptions is so, so true. I mean... A lot of people who are talking about like queer horror as an idea talk about how a lot of people involved in horror throughout the years have been LGBTQ plus people who have, you know, created what we think of in the genre. There are a lot of classic films that had, you know, LGBT folks in front of or behind the camera working on this art. And it's kind of up to up to us to continue to reshape the narrative to liberate ourselves from these kind of constricting narratives. Oh yeah, this is uh, really really cool, um, and it, it definitely is exciting to hear that you are hoping to pursue more of this in your art. Um, now you mentioned you're in school still. What are you hoping to do after you uh, graduate? Are you studying art or creative writing? Oh yeah, uh, my major is uh, in creative writing. Uh, I'm not sure actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, as every other college student would tell you, I don't actually know what's going to happen next. But I'm hoping to get into publishing or editing. You know, and best case scenario, fingers crossed. You know, I could make it as a writer. I, I hope so because you're very talented as a writer, and it's exciting to see so many really cool ideas coming from you, Ada. Oh, thank you. I'm so flattered, honestly. Well, honestly, we'd love to have more pieces from you because your ideas are just stellar. Um, and we're happy oh. to have you as part of our monster mob. Oh, thank you. I, I will take you up on that offer, you know, when I get some writing done, of course. Of course. Is there anything else that you were hoping to, to mention or talk about? No, there's nothing in particular. Mostly just very happy to, you know, have uh, my story out there. Because honestly, when I was writing it, it was such fun to just like have these scenes in my head just come out and like really jump out of the page. And 
you know, hearing the podcast, I was just, I was honestly speechless for such a long time because, man, it was like, it was exactly as I had imagined it. So I was frankly very, very impressed and very, very moved to be able to be part of this project, honestly. I mean, I was just so excited when I create the episodes. There's a moment when I feel like it's done. And when I had that moment with this piece, I was just so thrilled. I'm so glad that you had the same reaction and that you enjoyed the final product. Yeah, I think this is a probably a good place to end things with our interview. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you so much, Ada, for joining us again. Oh. For any of our listeners who might want to follow your work or keep an eye on anything, are there any uh, social media handles that they might be able to follow for you? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> a, I used to have a, a Tumblr page. I used to write a lot of fan fiction for... Uh, for Korosami. Nice. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I sort of fell off the wagon for a while there. So uh, uh, um, I am uh, Ace the Ninja zero one on Tumblr. But I haven't posted in like years though. So I guess, uh, you know, if people started going there, I, I, yeah, it would definitely be an incentive to actually start posting things again. Well, I'm sure that uh, there might be a couple more people coming your way uh, to to see what you might do next. So thanks again, Ada. Oh, thank you also so much. And this has been uh, Monsters Out of the Closet. Thanks again, Ada, for joining us. Monsters out.